Countdown for blastoff. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Hi, this is Carl Amari, and welcome to episode 26 of Radio Rarities, the weekly podcast series that examines unique episodes from the golden age of radio. My co-host is the vivacious Lisa Wolf. This week, we have a radio show in which a co-star is absent. It's from a series we all know and love, Fibber McGee and Molly, which was retitled Fibber McGee and Company during the 18 months that Molly McGee was absent from the series. The late 1930s was a challenging time for both Jim and Marion Jordan, the real-life married couple who starred as Fibber McGee and his cheerful wife Molly in one of radio's most memorable comedies. But before we go any further, though, Let's give our listeners some background on the Jordans and this blockbuster comedy series. James Edward Jordan and Marion Irene Driscoll were both natives of Peoria, Illinois. They met there and were married in 1918. Molly added Jordan to her last name and became Marion Driscoll Jordan, but went publicly by Marion Jordan. Prior to their work in radio, they toured with various vaudeville acts. Their early activities in Chicago radio included the program's Air Scouts, the Smith family, and Smackout. Smackout was set in Chicago at a small general store where its proprietor, Uncle Luke Gray, played by Jim Jordan, continued to run smack out of everything. Jim also played a regular customer named Jim. Marion played the dual roles of Teeny, a little girl and regular customer, and Marion, Jim's girlfriend. Smackout ran from 1931 until 1935 and was broadcast six days a week in 15-minute installments. It was co-created by Don Quinn, an out-of-work cartoonist and gag writer the Jordans had met in the late 1920s. Quinn had successfully submitted jokes for the Jordans' use on an earlier radio series, and before long, he became a full-time writer and eventual partner with Jim and Marion Jordan. Smackout began gaining a loyal audience and the attention of ad agencies and sponsors. In 1934, Henrietta Johnson Lewis, the daughter of an executive at the S.C. Johnson Company, saw potential in the Jordans and Don Quinn and vouched for them within the company ranks. Around the same time, the company was seeking to add a second radio program to its advertising campaign. It was currently bankrolling The House by the Side of the Road, which starred Tony Wands. So, along with its ad agency, Needham, Lewis, and Brorby, the Johnson firm, makers of various floor and furniture polishing products, collaborated with Sidney Strohs of NBC in Chicago on a new comedy variety series for its network starring Jim and Marion Jordan. On April 16, 1935, Fibber McGee and Molly premiered from New York on the NBC Blue Network. The series started with them as road travelers, and it was some 20 episodes before they won a house in a raffle. With the address of 79 Wistful Vista, Wistful Vista, USA. An address so well known by the American public 
that a 1940 Radio Life article cited it as the second on the list after 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, Washington, D.C. Wow, Carl, that is very impressive. From New York, the show moved to Chicago and in June of 1936 switched to the more prestigious Red Network of NBC. By the summer of 1937, the variety situation comedy was the top-rated show in the country. Its success was due not only to the performers and writer Don Quinn, but also producer Cecil Underwood. In January of 1939, Fibber McGee and Molly moved to Hollywood, but without Marion Jordan. Beginning with the November 15, 1937 broadcast, Marion was suddenly absent from the series. In real life, she was battling a serious illness that kept her from performing on air for the next 18 months. The program's name was changed to Fibber McGee and Company, with Jim Jordan carrying on each week without Marion by his side. With Fibber continuing to get himself into all kinds of hilarious predicaments. Fibber didn't do this all by himself, though. He had a supporting cast of characters to help him in his foibles. Including Mrs. Abigail Uppington, the old-timer, and Horatio K. Boomer. The frolics were also expertly integrated into the commercial messages for Johnson Wax products. Most people who knew the private struggles that Marion faced didn't believe she would ever return to the show. But fortunately, in April of 1939, she recovered fully, returned to the show, and was better than ever. The Jordans never publicly spoke about Marion's illness or gave any explanation on air as to why her character was absent for a year and a half. Well, Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Fibber McGee and Company called the Gildersleeve Memory Course as originally broadcast March 14, 1939. The Johnson Wax Program. The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Company with Jim Jordan as Fibber, Donald Novis, The Four Notes, and Billy Mills Orchestra. The show opens with I Gotta Get Some Shut-Eye. an announcement of interest to every housewife. The sponsors of this program are making you a real bargain offer. For a limited time only, you can buy Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat in special giant-size cans for the same price you usually pay for the regular pound and pint sizes. These big cans are one-third larger, giving you one-third more wax or glow coat at no extra cost. Now, the supply of these special giant-sized cans is limited. So to avoid disappointment, we urge you to go to your dealer in the morning or phone him and buy several cans of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat at this money-saving price. House-cleaning days are near at hand, and you'll certainly want to have both wax and glow coat ready for convenient use. So get a supply now while you're offered one-third more for your money. These special giant-sized cans are on sale at hardware, grocery, paint, drug, and department stores. See your dealer tomorrow without fail. Mm -hmm. 
Shriver's memory has been getting very bad, though we don't know why it should disturb him, as he's done nothing worth remembering. However, he's decided to take the famous Gildersleeve memory course. And here, talking to the Gildersleeve representative who has just delivered the sample lessons, we find Fibber Zing Went the String on My Finger McGee. You say this here course is bound to give me results, eh, bud? Oh, it certainly will, McGee. I'm a Gildersleeve graduate myself, and I know. Oh, you are, eh? By the way, what was your name again? It slipped my mind. Uh, Dalrymple. Cyrus L. Dalrymple. <laughs> well, look, Cy. Uh, just what is the principle of the Gildersleeve memory course? In one word, association. Association. Linking words and ideas. Mm -hmm. For instance, you meet a man named Pike. Okay. Where do I meet him and what time? Uh, I'll, I'll wear a red carnation so he... No, 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 no. This is just for instance. Oh, I catch on to it. Now then, McGee. You meet this man, Pike. And what do you associate the word Pike with? Fish. Very good. <laughs> now then, every time you meet this man, your mind produces the mental image of a fish. So how would you greet him? I'd say, hi, walleye. <laughs> no, no, his name is Fish. Oh. Uh, no, that isn't it either. <laughs> well, anyway, you get the idea, McGee. Now, what is my name? Your name? You got a bad memory, too? <laughs> come, come, I know my name, of course. But do you know it? I told you less than a minute ago. Well, let me think. Chucks, can you beat that? Well, of course, I ain't started the lessons yet, bud. <laughs> now, turn your back to me a minute. Huh? That's it. Uh, One, two, three. Okay, turn around. All right. Yep, I remember your face. <laughs> that ain't bad for a start, is it? Now, listen, McGee. My name is Dalrymple, Cyrus L. Dalrymple. Now then, what do you associate with the word Cyrus? A slingshot. A slingshot. A slingshot? Yep. For goodness sake, why? Well, I had a cousin named Cyrus, and when we was kids, he hit me with a slingshot right behind the barn. <laughs> well, all right, if that's what you associated with. Now, uh, what does Dalrymple recall to you? A slingshot. A sh again? <laughs> Why, certainly, Dalrymple makes me think of Cyrus, and Cyrus makes me remember the slingshot. No. <laughs> Say, I think I'm beginning to catch on to this here stuff, bud. You leave them sample lessons here, and if I like them, I'll take the complete course. Splendid, splendid. <laughs> and when you complete this course, mark my words, your memory will be just as good as mine. <laughs> well, goodbye, McGee. Good day, slingshot. <laughs> Dalrymple? Oh, yes. Slingshot L. Dalrymple. No. <laughs> Hey, Buck. Uh, yes? You forgot your hat. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Good day. Oh, well, I suppose even Einstein gets his check stubs balled up now and then. Now, let's see these lessons. Hmm. Everyone is born with a good memory. Oh, yeah. When you dream of falling, that is a racial memory. You are remembering something that happened when our ancestors were leaping from limb to limb of the trees. I wonder what he means by that. I need a tree surgeon in my whole family. So long. Er, no. Forgot again. Come in. Oh, oh, Miss McGee. Oh, man, so glad to find you at home. Hi, Uppy. What's on your mind? Um, tell me, Miss McGee, are we, uh, are we alone? Are we alone? 
Why, Abigail, I didn't know you cared. <laughs> Why, please, Miss McGee, I wasn't speaking from a romantic point of view. Oh, my <laughs> Oh, you silly boy. <laughs> but now, seriously, can anyone overhear us? Well, either way I answer up, you or Johnson's wax is going to be unhappy. <laughs> I hope we're being overheard. Folks, don't listen for a minute. Uppy's got something confidential she wants to tell me. Go ahead, Uppy, quick. Well, uh, possibly you know, Mr. McGee, that I own the famous 10-carat Rajah diamond, and I was too late to get it back to the bank vault before it closed today, and I'm simply terrified to keep it at my home overnight. Would you keep it for me, please? We Oh, now, wait a minute, Uppy. Am I the only one you can trust with it? Well, no, no, not exactly, Mr. McGee. Dear Horatio, offered to sit up all night and guard it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh but I couldn't have the poor boy losing his sleep. <laughs> Say, don't let that guy guard no diamonds, Uppy. His old man was a crook, and he's a jip off the old block. <laughs> now, please, Mr. McGee, Horatio always speaks well of you. Horatio K. Puma speaks well of me? <laughs> Actor. <laughs> Why, of course he does. Why, only last night he was saying that if you and he were lost in the woods with only a knife between you, he'd let you have it. <laughs> now, I thought that was very noble of him, really. Yeah. I think I get the point, Uppy. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, well, anyway, uh, here's the diamond, Mr. McGee, and thank you so very much for keeping it for me. Well, good night. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Look at that diamond. What a hunk of ice. <laughs> Looks like Sonia Henney's backyard. Uh-oh, I better hide it quick. Where'll I put it? Uh-oh, I'll drop it in this glass of water. They'll think it's an ice cube. Ah, it's a good thing I thought of that. Come in. Hello, Fibber. Say, do you remember the song you asked Don Novus to sing? No, I don't, Billy. My memory's terrible. What was it? I found a million-dollar baby in the five and ten-cent store. Did I ask for that? Is he going to sing it? No, we didn't think it would be good judgment during income tax week. Oh, <laughs> What's he going to sing, then? Penny Serenade. Oh, well, that's quite a discount. <laughs> well, go ahead, Billy. Folks, Donald Nova singing Penny Serenade. Take it, the, the kid. Once I strayed neath the window of a lovely, lovely lady, and she smiled while I softly played my penny serenade. See, 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 you can hear it for a penny. See, see, see. Just a penny serenade In her eyes Shone the tender dawn of love And sweet surrender As for me In my heart I played a lover's serenade See, see, see Hear my love song for a penny Just a penny serenade 
In a dream so divine she was mine, no word had been spoken. When I woke from my dream she was gone, my poor heart was broken. Still I pray that wherever she may be, she will remember in her heart she will always hear my penny serenade. can hear it for a penny. See, see, see. Just a penny serenade. Just a penny serenade. Just a penny Folks, that was a charming little copperetta entitled Penny Serenade. Beautifully sung by Donald Duck. Or no. Donald Novus. That rat my memory. Better get busy and study my lessons. Guess I better lock the doors and windows if I'm going to study with a ten-carat diamond in the house. Anybody? Hello there, Johnny. Remember me? <laughs> yes, I remember you. <laughs> You're old Addison Sims of Seattle. <laughs> How'd that big deal in Peruvian peanut butter turn out? Or was the issue spread too thin? Hey! <laughs> Never mind, I was just practicing my memory course. Matter, Johnny? Getting kind of forgetful? Always been forgetful, old-timer. Why, even when I was a kid in college, I was the despair of old Professor Knott. So just to please him, I left school, saying as I departed, I'm sorry I can't remember things, so just try and forget me, Knott. Forget me not, McGee I was known as in them days Hey! Forget me not, McGee Frankly, a fearful flop At faking a friendly familiarity With folks' faces Frequently frightened That my family would find My faculty for flip flights The fancy was a false front Forever fumbling for a formula To facilitate the free flow Of faultless phrases And finding a fleeting flame As the forgetfulness fellow Who ever foozled his facts and figures From the frigid fields Of the far-flung north To the flooded flats Of the front of fours <laughs> Johnny, but that ain't the way I heard it. <laughs> the way I heard it, one feller says to the other feller, say, <laughs> I see where this here Sally Rand is operating what she calls a nude ranch at the San Francisco Fair. That's so, says t'other feller, with his eyes bugging out. <laughs> Did she get out any invitations? Nope, says the first feller. Slapping his leg? Just a bare announcement. <laughs> I was out there to take a look, Johnny, and you could tell it was cowgirls, all right. There was chaps hanging all around the walls. <laughs> Nude ranch, eh? No wonder they're holding that fair on island. 
Everybody, everybody wants to land in a seaplane. Wow. Now, let's see, where was I? Oh, yeah, lesson number three. Visualize your thoughts. Form mental pictures and by association... Hello there, Fibber. Oh, hi there. No, no, wait a minute. Your name is right on the tip of my tongue. Say, what is this? You know my name. <laughs> sure I do, but let me think of it myself. I can recall it by association. He's got something to do with floors. He sells something that prevents scratches, scars, and marks. Marks. Harpo Marks. Harpo Wilcox. Hi, Harpo. <laughs> Say, will you talk sense? What's this all about? I'm taking a memory course, Harpo. Wonderful, too. See how easy I remembered your name with just a little effort? Well, the lessons haven't done you much good so far. Here, let me test it a little further. Okay. Now, what have I said ever since we've been on the air? About our product. About our product. Well, let me think. I know it was something favorable. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> you usually say something about how, uh... How is it to use? Watch your grammar there, Harpo. <laughs> You mean, how is it to you? No, no, to use, U-S-E. Oh, well, let me think. I believe you always say something kind of childish about that there. No, I don't either. I say that blow coat is so easy to use that a child can apply it. Now, what do I say about there being no need for so-and-so and so-and-so? Which two so-and-sos you mean, Mills and Novus? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, where I say there is absolutely no blank or blank. No rubbing or buffing. Right? Correct. Uh -huh. Now, fill in these blanks. Just spread a little... Sweetness and light? No, no, no. Glow coat. Just spread a little glow coat on the floor, all linoleum, with the long-handled... Frying pan? No. The long-handled applier. Then wait. How many minutes? Oh, what's the difference? I ain't no hurry. Twenty minutes. Only twenty minutes till the glow coat dries to a beautiful... Beautiful what? Housewife? No, no, no. It dries to a beautiful mirror-like what? Let me think. Dries to a beautiful mirror-like, uh... Finish! Well, I'm trying to if you'll leave me alone. <laughs> beautiful mirror-like, uh... Finish! Dad Raddit, quit nagging at me. <laughs> I nearly had it there once. Oh, shucks, I give up. So do I. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to Radio Rarities. We'll return after this short break. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, Sam Spade, Burns and Allen, Have Gun, Will Travel, Gangbusters, and Sherlock Holmes, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Carl Amari and I co host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. Now, back to Radio Rarities. 
I hope the sponsor didn't notice he went out without giving his sales talk. <laughs> now, let's see. Lesson number three. Names of objects may often be associated with... Hey, what was that noise? Who's there? Nobody! Thank goodness for that. Yes, I'm just nervous. Having that big diamond in the house, and they say there's a bunch of crooks in town, too. Uh-oh. Sneak thieves. <laughs> Who is it? You're right, it's a burglar. Burglar. A robber. That makes the dad rather much noise. What you trying to do, make me conspicuous? Yeah, I've got you covered. I've got you covered. No monkey business now. Raise your hands. This is a stick-up. Did you say stick up or hiccup? Come on, get your hands. Get your hands. Get your hands. Stick them up. Okay, but if you keep jerking like that, be careful. That gun might go off. Oh, no, it won't. I got the I got I got the safety catch on. I think. You think? Well, don't you know? Well, I'm not positive. 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 I'm not sure. Say, are you familiar with familiar with firearms? Well, yeah, fairly. Give me that gun, and I'll tell you if you got the safety catch on. Well, uh, you promise, promise to give it right back? Oh, certainly. What do I want with it? You're the burglar. Well, that's logic. 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 Yeah, that's right. Here. Take a look. Well, the safety catch is on, bud, but what you got that cork stuck in the end of the barrel for? Oh, uh, that, that's a, a silencer. All right, hand over the Roger Diamond. Oh, I won't never do no such a thing. I ain't got no diamond here. Now, you go away. I got some studying to do. Say, what's the matter with you? You aren't even frightened. You aren't even frightened. 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 Scared. Of course I ain't. I'd be silly to get scared with my memory. The minute you leave, I will have forgotten all about it. Incidentally, you better do something about them hiccups, bud. How'd you get them? Oh, my kid brother. He gave them to me. Oh. Are they contagious? Well, no. But but he put some Mexican jumping beans with my bicarbonate of so soda mint tablets. Well, I'll be gone. Good night. Good night. Good night. So long. The way that guy jerks, he could get a job as a chauffeur on a pogo stick. Well, folks, while I study up on my memory course, Billy Mills will accompany the four notes singing, uh, singing... Oh, shucks, there I go again. Hey, Billy, I forgot the number. Good heavens. Oh, yes. The four notes singing Blue Skies. <laughs> Take it, kids. <laughs> Came a knocking at my door. Skies 
were gray, but they're not gray no more. Blue skies, blue skies, smile at me. Nothing but blue skies do I see. Blue, blue, blue birds singing a beautiful song. There's nothing like blue birds, blue birds from now on. Very good, Four Notes, very good. If you keep singing like that, I'll have to raise your salaries if I didn't have such a terrible memory for little things like that there. Now, let's see, I better check up and see if that diamond is still in that glass of water. Yep, at least I remembered where that was. Now for lesson number five. When hearing a stranger's name for the first time... Ah, oh, there. Good evening, Pivot Two. Oh. oh, hi, Boomer. What can I do for you? Before you do me for something. I come on an errand of mercy, Scatterskull. Yes, yes. Mercy, what an errand. I come to relieve you of the responsibility of keeping the Roger Diamond. At the suggestion of my dear Abigail, Mrs. Uppington, to you, hoi polloi. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's what you say, Boomer. But I don't give that diamond to nobody but her, understand? Come, come. Let us not bandy words. Hand over the sparkler, prune pit. <laughs> Must I resort to violence? <laughs> well, that's a nice resort if you can afford to stay there, Boomer. <laughs> What's your authority? Authority? The authority of the man who expects soon to be joined in matrimony to the dearest girl in all the world. Or hadn't you heard? <laughs> Be very glad to have you at the ceremony, Freckleneck. You can be a brakeman on the bride's train. The diamond whistle stop. The diamond come, no, come. Nothing doing. Not unless you got a note from Mrs. Uppington authorizing me to give it to you. Why, certainly, certainly. A note. You betcha. Have a note right here, someplace. <laughs> Where I put that note? Here's a beautiful pigskin wallet I found in the gutter. With a drunk lying on top of her. <laughs> Small wire tapping outfit. Tap on the wire has saved me many a tap on the shoulder. Come on, Boomer, quit stalling. Let's see the note. Oh, yes, the note. I put that note. See, here's a set of false teeth. I'm training them to snap at pickpockets. <laughs> Periscope for looking over transoms. Very handy to locate house detectives when checking out of hotels. Look before you leap and peek before you pack. Six keys to post office boxes. When I get one more, I'll send them to Jim Farley. Seven keys to ball page. <laughs> A check for short beer. Well, well, imagine that. No, no. <laughs> I thought so. Imagine my embarrassment. Well, I must be off. Have to see my lawyer about getting a rubber check, vulcanized. Good day, chimney pop. Ah, good old boomer. He was born in the lap of luxury, but she stood up. <laughs> Let's see now. 
six. You can train your memory. Oh, now, what the... Come in. Oh, hi, well, I just got in touch with my banker, uh-huh. and he's consented to open the bank vault for me so I can put my diamond away. I'm so sorry to have troubled you, really. Oh, that's all right, Uppy. Have a chair while I try and remember where I put it. Good gracious. Don't you remember where you put it? Well, no, but, but don't worry, oh. Uppy. I've, I've taken five lessons in my memory course now, and I won't have no trouble with it. <laughs> now, where did I put that diamond? Diamond, diamond... I wonder if Oh, I... Mr. McGee. Oh, please. Oh, my, if you couldn't find it, I should... Oh, it would be so... Oh, oh, I feel so faint. Oh, oh take it easy, Eppie. Oh. Here, here. Uh, drink this glass of water. Oh, no. <laughs> Mr. McGee, oh, my... Oh, not so fast. There, there. Now you've made me swallow the ice and all. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just take it easy, Uppy, till, till I remember where I put that diamond. Oh, try, Mr. McGee, try. Oh, I'm so worried. Okay, okay. Now, now let me think it out by association oh. according to lesson number two. I'll visualize it. A diamond makes me think of a ring. A ring, a bell. Bell recalls a church. Church makes me think of a wedding. Wedding. Honeymoon. Honeymoon. Niagara Falls. Falls. Water. Water. Glass. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Oh, Mr. McGee, why do you look at me like that? Puppy, are you on a diet? No. Well, this would be a good time to start. Why? You just swallowed ten carrots. back in just a moment. But now we want to remind you again of the special bargain offer on Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat now being featured by your dealer. By acting at once, you can get Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Glow Coat in big, giant size cans containing one-third more than the regular pound and pint sizes. You pay not a penny extra for these giant cans, and you get one-third more for your money. Don't miss this opportunity. The giant-sized cans are going fast, and when they're gone, there won't be any more. During the past week, thousands of women have taken advantage of this bargain offer. You'll be money ahead if you get a supply of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat during this special sale. Make a note of it now, and ask your dealer tomorrow for Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat in the giant-sized cans, which give you one-third more at no extra cost. Folks, we just got a report from the hospital that Mrs. Uppington and the Diamond are both doing well. <laughs> I sure am glad I decided to do something about my memory. <laughs> I'm like the guy who joined the girl to forget the Foreign Legion. <laughs> hey, Fibber. Huh? Fred Allen used that one weeks ago. Oh, oh but that ain't the point, Harpo. I remembered it. <laughs> Good night, folks.
This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat, inviting you all to be with us again next Tuesday night when we'll have another visit from our old friend, Zazu Pitts. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Well, Carl, the show was funny, but simply not the same without Marion Jordan. There was no Molly and her Taint Funny McGee and Heavenly Bodies witticisms. There also was no Teeny, who was also voiced by Marion as the little tyke who gave Fibber so much grief. With her, huh, mister, huh, routine. However, the supporting players did an outstanding job in this episode. Isabel Randolph portrayed the aristocratic snob Mrs. Uppington, who was addressed by Fibber as Uppy. It was her diamond that really got Fibber into hot water. Bill Thompson, who had been with the show since 1936, played both Boomer and the old-timer. And the part of the burglar, who had an unfortunate case of the hiccups, was the man of a thousand voices, Mel Blanc. While fans are used to hearing Hal Perry as Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve in most episodes of this series, in this particular installment, he plays Cyrus Daryl Rimple, a salesman pitching the Gildersleeve memory course. Later in 1939, Perry would voice exclusively the role of Gildersleeve, the McGee's next-door neighbor and pompous windbag. In 1941, the character became so popular that a spin-off series, The Great Gildersleeve, was launched on NBC, sponsored by Kraft. The quality of Fibber McGee and company was enhanced by the singing of Donald Novus, accompanied by Billy Mills and his orchestra. Mills actually has a few lines in this episode. Along with Novus and Mills, the Four Notes Quartet also received on-air credits. One of radio's top announcers, Harlow Wilcox, related the sponsor's copy, which was always a laugh when Fibber entered the picture. On April 18, 1939, Marion Jordan returned to the program and was welcomed with thunderous applause. Fibber McGee and Molly continue to be a success on NBC, promoting Johnson Wax and Glow Coat for more than a decade. Beginning in 1950, Pet Incorporated for Pet Milk, and then later Reynolds Metals, signed on to pay the bills. Fibber McGee and Molly were on radio for an impressive quarter century, with their final broadcasts in 1959 as part of NBC's Monitor series. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of Radio Rarities. Radio Rarities is a Gulfstream Studios copyrighted production produced by yours truly, Carl Amari. My co-host is Lisa Wolf. Mike Costella is our executive producer. And the show is written by Carl Shadow. Next week, we'll present a thriller based on the true exploits of America's first serial killer from one of radio's finest horror programs, Lights Out. So don't miss it. Thanks for listening. everyone, this is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me, listen now, search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.